1: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johanna and & Cabin. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie.
2: Welcome to Late Lunch on Daffodil Day in Ireland. The the big fundraiser annually for the Irish Cancer Society. We were speaking about it yesterday on the show and daffodils abound everywhere. You can donate online. But it's a wonderful day and isn't the weather just gorgeous out there today? it would do your heart good. Support, support please this very important day. And I say to you it's so appropriate that my first guest joins me today. He's a golf writer. He was Nick Faldos md for nick's golf course design company and back in 24 2013 should i say he founded global golf for cancer and he's been in the northeast recently visiting some of the prominent local courses and i'm delighted to welcome him to the show today nick Edmonds, good afternoon
3: good afternoon jerry
2: thank you for joining me and taking our call today on the show well i believe you got on well with us say, in recent days Absolutely,
3: I did. Um, I visited seven of the golf clubs in uh, the northeast, you're right, from from um, Beltre and Seapoint down to, of course, via the likes of Port Monarch and the island and Royal Dublin, down to the European club. Um That was during the course of this week. Um, and, uh, no, I mean, the, 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 nowhere has supported the campaign, Global Golf for Cancer, as you, as you mentioned um you know, better or, or, or more prominently than than in Ireland.
2: Ah, oh, that's wonderful to hear, and thank you for those lovely words. Just tell our listeners what Global Golf, the number four it is, uh, Golf for Cancer is all about, and why you founded it.
3: OK, um, well, I founded it before i had had cancer, and very ironically, I've had cancer four times, because, as, as you mentioned, the number four is very central to it. And... Visually, uh, the, the Global Golf for Cancer uh, has a, or, or a number of golf cl- clubs around the world now, fly a special flag on their fourth hole. It says Global Golf for Cancer. It's, it's got a golfing four in the middle and it flies on special dates, special occasions, as I say, on, on all six continents. But it was launched, even though I, you're talking to an Englishman here, it was launched in the west of Ireland. I actually launched it on the 4th of March. Everything has a four in it. On the 4th of March, 2000. And 17, uh, I walked with a set of golf clubs on my back from Head all the way down to Old Head. It took four months. But I called into 40 golf clubs, and the purpose of that was I played the fourth hole, presented each club with a flag, and it, w- it was creating awareness for the campaign. And um, I've since actually done four of these rather crazy golfing walks, including another one in Ireland that was around Northern Ireland from Loch via Port Rush and Port Stewart and those great courses on the Causeway coast, finishing on finishing by playing the fourth hole and therefore raising our flag on the fourth green at Royal County Down. And um, since that time, uh, that was in 2019, uh, the year uh, Rush had its open. Uh, the flag has, oh, I, I have visited and taken the campaign, if you like, to all of the six continents and... Certainly by the end of this year, hopefully 400 flags all around the world will be flying the flag, flying it in honour of cancer fighters, but also uh, flying it uh, in support of various uh, great cancer causes around the world. And the reason, again, the reason I was back in in Dublin and the East Coast area was because uh, having launched the campaign in the west of Ireland and also done done a walk all around Northern Ireland, I was very conscious that some of the Some of the greatest golf courses in Ireland, of course, are are in the Dublin and northeastern area. And so it was, was, COVID had stopped me visiting them uh, the last couple of years, but it was uh, an immense pleasure to visit them uh, this week. And and as you might be saying, today is 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 a special day for anyone fighting cancer. Yeah.
2: Oh Look, it's a a wonderful story and you do so much walking between the visits to these courses because I was watching a a lovely promo video for uh, Global Golf for Cancer earlier today and it is amazing to see uh, the effort that you put in. So you arrive at a golf course, you play the fourth hole on each golf course and you leave a wee flag with them with the number four in it. That's the idea, to up the profile and people come to you and uh, support you. It's a real uh, PO. Uh, uh, effort, isn't it, on behalf of, of, of your organisation?
3: Yes, I, I, that's, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, when you think that there are 60 million golfers in the world, um, and I think it's about thirty five, thirty six thousand 36,000 golf clubs, the, the, it's a very powerful industry, and I always mm. say to people that golf can fly the flag for a cause better than any other sport or any other organisation, in a way. Not only are there... As I say, 60 million golfers, uh, practically all of whom have some connection, sadly, with cancer—some, some relative, some friend—who uh, has had to fight cancer. so you think 60 million people, all doing more to help fight cancer, that's an an, 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 an well, an enormous global audience. And of all the sports in the world, as I say golf can probably do it. It's not just the numbers; it's the fact that. It's the fact that when you stand on a on a tee, when you play a hole, when you play the fourth hole, let's just say, the flag is your target, it's your goal, and it's very symbolic. A flag is very symbolic of hope. You, you, you plant a flag, don't you, when you when you climb a mountain, or, or um, mm. some, some people even took it to the moon. But the point is, it is a symbol of of hope. And of all the sports in the world, only golf really is it your target, your goal. You interact with a flag, um, so you can literally fly the flag for the cause. Whereas in whether it's football, rugby, hurling, whatever sport you you think of. Flags tend to be around the periphery, whereas a flag is central to golf. So, as I say, golfers are in a unique position to to fly the flags for calls and, and indeed to fly the flags for cancer fighters.
2: Yes, and the number four, to come back to it again, of course, we know the fourth mm-hmm. hole, par fours, a lot of par four holes on golf courses, nine or 18 holes as well. And the, the the serious fact is that one in four, and the number four of it, is likely to be affected by cancer during our lifetime. So the four is really significant. With raising this awareness, as you say, and your walks and with the flags and playing the holes and visiting the clubs, the money, you know, I say you can donate online at number 4 cancer.org. The money's does it go into the particular areas you visit or how is it distributed then, would you tell me, please, yeah, Nick?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. And I, and I think there uh, are two ways. I mean, people often say, how much money is Global Golf for Cancer raised? And whilst obviously the focus at the moment is building this platform of clubs all around the world, so you could say the focus is more on awareness. Having said that, A lot of clubs around the world, I'll pick South Africa for an example, where 20 clubs fly the flag. They support a a, a wonderful local cancer charity called Cupcakes for Kids with Cancer. And they, uh, with the money that they get and the number of golf clubs in South Africa support that charity, that money goes to help pay the medical expenses Mm. of something like 150 kids with cancer um, around the world. So that's indirectly how... Yes. It can help and as I've often said to people if as a result of hearing about this campaign a golfer goes and, and visits their grandma or whatever who's just had a diagnosis it's doing good and you could, it's very difficult to put a, a value on that Yes, but also if, if people donate to Global Golf for Cancer then there are a number of partner charities cancer fighting charities around the world and 100% of that money that goes to Global Golf for Cancer goes to always cancer charities 100% of it And and it's a range of cancer charities. I think that's perhaps one of the difference. We're not strictly a charity ourselves. It's obviously a charitable cause, but we're a campaign flying the flag, if you like, for various cancer charities. And so the money that goes to Global Goal for Cancer, and as I say, it can go directly to to cancer charities, I am equally happy if that happens. If it goes to Global Goal for Cancer, then there's a number of cancer charities who I personally know, have personally met, and therefore... I know that it can be spread to help its yes. research, support breast can- fight breast cancer, mm. help children with cancer, or testicular cancer, you name it, or indeed brain cancer. And and of course, one of the most, my golfing hero was Sebi Balasteros, who died of brain cancer. And mm. I'm very proud of the fact that the Sebi Balasteros Foundation, uh, who obviously, uh, well obviously support research into brain cancer, their logo appears on our flag in where well, every flag is flies around the world, as yeah. do, do a number of different cancer charities, depending where the flag is flying. Mm.
2: Oh, I, I really love the concept and the way, as I said, you are the front organisation for raising awareness and then tying in with all these other aspects of cancer care research, etc. Tell us about your own story. As you said, this began before you were touched by cancer yourself. 2014, it, uh, your journey, the cancer journey began.
3: Yes, it did. Um, I, uh, and... I suppose the, the campaign, I, I, as I said, I, I had, and um, um, thank you for your introduction, I've, I've had a background in golf for some 30 years, uh, both as a golf writer, I still, I still do a bit of golf writing, but as a golf writer, but I also ran Mick Barlow's golf course design business. And that gave me a lot of connections around the golfing world. And having worked with uh, with Nick for, for, for 15 years, and I have got into my early 50s, as if i going back eight ten years ago now, um, I was wondering what to do in golf, and and, and, and never, never never my my father's dreams that I think it would be uh, setting up a cancer fighting foundation because uh, I'd never had cancer, but I ended up going on a walk with a wonderful cancer charity, uh, a UK charity based uh, called Macmillan. Um, yes, Himalayas, and it was a result of that walk that the idea so. Global goal for Cancer emerged because Macmillan talked a lot about the number four, whether it's four stages of cancer, as you said, one in four, and indeed four million people directly affected by cancer in the UK. So I kept thinking four was a significant number, and I thought the idea idea I suggested to to this charity was was putting a flag on, on a fourth hole. But you're right, I hadn't had cancer at that point, and the only reason I didn't press the button, as it were, uh, around about 2014 was because I was thinking, was I was I a credible campaigner not having had cancer? And was <laughs> I, can I can imagine sitting down with various world clubs around the world proposing this idea, but the club's sort of thinking, well, almost, what you know, why is he doing it? Or what, what's the sort of relevance of you doing it? Mm. And whilst the last thing I wanted was, was cancer, Um Suddenly, cancer did arrive I, uh, uh, on, on my neck. I it's a form of head and neck cancer. Um, and, and if you like, that made me the credible campaigner. But perhaps m- 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 more importantly, that, that's where the idea of the global goal for cancer sort of developed. And, and yeah, ironically, as you, as you said, I, I, have, I have had cancer four times, but... Mm. Um, well, on my on my neck, on my forehead, I had a completely reconstructed scalp, and then nearly three years ago, I lost my left eyesight due to the recurrence of the cancer that we got behind my eye, and and what um, will actually cause the loss of the eyesight wasn't so much the cancer as the treatment. It was it was a very heavy uh, session of radiotherapy that, that that my eyesight, but but. The story isn't isn't about me. I mean, I, I'm an example of, of somebody fighting cancer for sure, but um, it, it, yeah, it's it, it part of the story, I, I guess. But, but as I say, the flag is flying for, for cancer fighters all over the world, and, and um, it's still, in some ways, in its infancy. But because golf isn't going away, nor is cancer, so um, we'll see how it develops as as the ensuing years.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's a remarkable story of your own, your own personal story, Nick, uh, and then of course global golf for cancer itself. And and you're doing well now. You're you're, you're trucking on. Uh, I'm
3: touching wood here. I'm nearly three years, as you say, uh, three years cancer free, and and obviously that's a good sign. You, you can maybe never be totally sure when cancer may or not come back, and that applies to everybody. So. Um, but isn't it ironic that, that four times I had I had cancer when when you know when I, when I had tests the idea i I didn't have cancer at all. If you believe in fate, then maybe I was destined to have it four. So one of one of my mantras is four and then no more, um, please. <laughs> um, so and and four people often ask me if I if I sleep in a four-poster bed because my life seems to revolve around the number four, and I'm not just talking about the campaign. and four kinds of episodes, but I, I've done four of these rather bizarre walks with golf clubs on my back. As I said, the first was around the west of Ireland. I also did Northern Ireland. I did a walk in 2018 from uh, from Canberra to Dornock in the north of Scotland by St. Andrews. Again, it was, it was, a, it was about... I didn't do it just to place in some of the finest storehouses around the world. I did it to bring attention to the campaign. Mm. And um, again, one of my one of my mantras is stories create awareness, and awareness creates action and support. And uh, I, I guess the idea of a, a, a chap approaching sixty, wandering from from Turnberry to dornock Light um, and Nandies, created a story. And as hopefully will the fourth walk, which I only completed just before Christmas. Um, which was a walk along the Camino in northern Spain. Um, I, through my golfing connections, had a had a have a friendship with Sergio Ana uh, Sorry, with a, with starting a walk. Actually, with Jose Maria Alcoveros, had his great Ryder cut partner. Yes, he'd heard about the campaign and he said, "Look, if you ever do a walk in northern Spain, when the Camino, this this wonderful pilgrimage walk, um, starts." Starts in San Sebastian, which is the town that I'm from. So, uh, November last year, when I did the fourth walk, I started in San Sebastian. I played the fourth hole with Jose Maria Lacabar. We then walked 20 kilometres the first day of the walk. At the end of that day, in fact, we played the second fourth hole together at the golf club he had designed. And so you can see how. How incredibly supportive he was, yes, I then walked for another thirty days uh, across the camino coast the, north, the the northern arm of the Camino, and I finished at Pedrénia, uh which is which is where Servio Vale learned his golf and I, I had the privilege of playing the fourth hole there with with his son Javier and with his with Sebi's brother Mandel and um we played the fourfold together, raised the flag and I say, that
2: was the, that was the story of the Yes. Oh marvelous, marvellous. And and the buy in from the Sevi Foundation, as you mentioned earlier, it's understandable and all the big connections there. Well look at I wish you well on your next adventure. Thank you for visiting us here in the Northeast, because I know they were delighted to see you in County Loud Golf Club and Sea Point uh, beside us here over the last few days. You did play, you left the flag as well, and you have raised the awareness on this special day in Ireland—that is our Daffodil Day here. Nick, thank you for talking to us, and I wish you well in the future. Well,
3: thank you, Jerry, and. Um... Thank you for, for, for inviting me on the show. And also, please, a big thank you to all the golf clubs in Ireland and all the golfers in Ireland who are supporting Global Golf for Cancer. Greatly appreciated.
2: Thank you, Nick. And uh, thank you for what you're doing for all the people who are going through the cancer journey at this point in time. Take care, Nick Edmund. Bye bye. Bye bye. What a fantastic man he is. And with us here in the Northeast recently. Global Golf, the number four, cancer.org. Time for your TV. Theme competition on late lunch this Friday afternoon. I have a nice prize to send out to one of you. O eight six eighteen hundred six five eight. You gotta WhatsApp or text me now. That's O eight six eighteen hundred six five eight. Roll it there, Louise. <laughs> Ah, oh, to a giveaway today. Louise, you know that one yourself. Don't say it. You know it yourself. I not
4: do. Do you know it? Do
2: you know it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Change. It's, a, it's a giveaway. A famous, famous TV programme from the... Uh, Well, from a long time ago and uh, up to relatively recent times too. What is the uh, show we're talking about there? That TV theme is from 086-1800-658 is what we're looking for for you to send your answers to. Were you watching The Apprentice, Louise? I watched the last part of it. I did. Did you? I did. I
4: actually switched it
2: on. I remember you saying it was on. I said, hmm. I'm going to watch watch it here. What did you make of it? What did you make of it? Did you think... Uh, th- I, I think
4: th- the right person would. Yes.
2: Yes. I did say yesterday that I had a feeling he might go for the pyjamas, but if you- yesterday on the pajamas show, I did were say... terrible. <laughs> they were shocking. I did say yesterday that Harpreet was the one he should pick because she was much better through the series, more dynamic and he backed her and when he pointed, you're hired, I was really delighted when he did, you know, to pick her. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, only um, Apprentice Part 1 this year, the series is over but he's back in the usual slot from September time to Christmas, you know, on the run in Is there it, it, any
5: reason why the extra?
2: Yeah, you see, with missing, there was no apprentice for two years. Okay. So they did one, you know, and it's 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 done well this springtime again for them. But I honestly think the candidates, is, <laughs> they were brutal. I <laughs> know oh, they were the worst. They were the worst fourteen, I think, that I've ever ever seen. To in, do in a it.
4: series where at the very end, if they're all brutal, they are all fired. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's hired
2: nobody's hired yeah he keeps his money he keeps his 250,000 <laughs> anyway he's invested in uh, as you see uh, streets or, or you desserts. know desserts and things like that and good luck to Harpreet he's a deserving winner coming up after two it's Boot Club with Irene Gahan but taking us to news and weather at two classic only you from your zoo. <laughs> Now it's time for Book Club on Late Lunch and I'm delighted to say this month joining us and in stepping into the breach is the wonderful Irene Gahan from Academy Books. Hello again, Irene.
6: Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you?
2: I'm really good. Thanks for joining us on Book Club today and selecting three absolutely wonderful books for us. Begin, please, and tell our listeners what is your book of the month?
6: Well, our book of the month is The Raptures by uh, Jan Carson. And it's very, very popular. It's our fourth novel. Um, It's getting an awful lot of really, really good reviews. So we selected it for a book club for this month. Um, And it's basically, um, it's a book based in Northern Ireland. Um, It's kind of a very character driven book, very easy to read, kind of comedy and tragedy all thrown in together. Um, and it's kind of one of those um, nice weeds, you know, that kind of way. I mean, it is tragic. There's a little bit of tra- tragedy in it, but it's very, very nice. So it's set in the 1990s um, in a small town just outside Belfast. So obviously there's a lot going on in the community and culturally. Um, but it's basically about a, an 11-year-old girl called Hannah who's just finishing kind of primary school and going into secondary school. But basically her friends all start dying one by one. And I know it sounds like a really, really tragic kind of... Yes. Not necessarily, but it's her wish. She's very, very witty. The writer is incredibly witty, and she's got this amazing sort of comedic kind of approach to looking at things. So it's very grief community, but there's a lot of comedy in it. So it reminded me a bit of... Um, shame as O'Reillys. Right, did you hear the mammy died? Right. Um, in the same style of you know, and I think it's I think it's very indicative as well of kind of Irish and you know, and Northern Irish writers. Does, does, does it that wit that we you know that wit that they have? Yes. Know, kind of a way to transcend things are terrible but
2: (laughs) Yes, I know what you mean
6: (laughs) We look at the good side, we look at the bright side Yes,
2: yes, and as you said the backdrop of the troubles in the 90s happening, religion as it does plays a huge part in this Uh, She's uh, uh, part of an evangelical church up there a little bit different to the rest, stands out from the crowd, doesn't get ill like the other children, as you said, there's an illness sweeps through the community, she survives it as such, what about a Eleven-year-old voice narrating. How does that work?
6: I I think it's it's interesting in the point of view. You you know the way. For example, I'm fifty this year. I don't mind telling everyone that. But (laughs) in my head, I could still be narrating nineteen-year-old me or eleven-year-old me. Yes. Yes. so, no, God love 11-year-old me. But anyway, <laughs> in my head, you know, it's very easy to bring yourself back to to that time. It's yes. very easy to even remember that kind of remember you, remember that situations, remember that environment.
2: Yeah, so that's for um, the reader you're saying, you can put yourself in those but shoes the writer anybody can.
6: Yeah. Right, yeah. I think the writer, I think she plays very well on on, okay. on a character. I think yes. she describes her very well. But she moves between hannah and the other characters of that first person and third person but it's done quite nicely um it's done quite well it's done quite you know it's done in a a really really nice way And i think there's an awful lot of very serious books out there at the moment and Mm. there's an awful lot of you know everybody just you know i think people want something light they want something that now i know this content isn't necessarily light um but it's 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 written in such a lighter way yes. um, that, you know, that would appeal to a lot of people. So, like, you know, if you were considering looking for, you know, Mother's Day is only two days away, gentlemen, just mm. so you remember. <laughs> 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 an awful lot of men running into the shop looking for, <laughs> looking for Mother's Day cards in a panic at the moment going, give me a book for the mother. <laughs>
2: and this book, is it, this is the book you're you saying, the a, it is Yeah, sort
6: of books, it, it is a book. I don't think you necessarily have to be attached to Okay. You know, a Northern Ireland narrative, if that makes yes, sense. Yes, yes. It, it, you know, it's one of those books that yeah. would be just a nice, a nice gift
2: as and well. And I, I think when you talk about coming of age, uh, faith, um, the day-to-day life in, in a troubled land, and it, as well as that living with a plague, which, you know what I mean, is very timely, considering the last two years and what's going on at the moment with COVID. It, 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 it is all that through it, hasn't it? Right, running through it.
6: Absolutely, and I I know we don't necessarily want to be dragged back, but you know, at the same time, it's all these elements all put into one, and it's her fourth novel, so Mm. she knows what she's doing. She does, Um, and it does create, and it's it's got rave reviews. I mean, any reviews I've seen of kind of four, four out of five, you know, eight out of ten, and you know, when you're going into a bookshop and you're looking for a gift for somebody that. You're not quite sure, you know, you don't necessarily know what the person likes or doesn't like. So you're looking for something that is... Is one of the not say one of the mill, but it's it's down the line. You're not going to offend anybody, or you're not. Okay. You're giving them a good story, and and that's kind of why I picked that. Lovely, We've just done something quite heavy, so yes. it, was, it was a nice. It was. It's. I think it was just a nice book. So if anyone's looking for a book or thinking about a book or for Mother's Day, um, certainly the Rapture is. John Carson is is would be a nice one to do, and certainly the book club um, from from this month are really really you know. There
2: really you go. It's our book of the month too. On late long. The, the raptures by jan carson let's quickly go to your second pick you've picked three first and i want to get to the third one quickly because i really want to talk about this third book but let's ah, talk about the last it chapter depends
6: on which it depends on which the th- it depends actually okay. i was going to jump into 100 years of lenny and margo well, because actually, yes yeah okay the one i
2: like go on go on go on <laughs> I, yeah go on away you go because i'll I, tell you i cried i, I cried goodness. this book is so touching
6: and you read it. Did you read it?
2: Yes, The 100 Years of Lenny yeah. and Margot is the name of the book by Marianne Cronin. Listen to this, and correct me if I'm wrong, as they say, a debut novel which took seven years to write. Is that a fact? Yes, yeah,
6: it is. And you know what? For an author that's so young to weave these stories together, mm. it is exceptional. I mean, absolutely exceptional. And And you can... You can see where it's, you can see, I mean, the premise of it is just beautiful. and The background to it is just beautiful. So, you know you cried. I know I cried.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, there's no doubt this book is so touching. But yet, I have to say at the same time, you will shed tears, but you will laugh, you will be uplifted. Isn't that a fair assessment as well?
6: Absolutely. You'll ugly cry. There's no doubt you will ugly cry, um, as we call it read the book. Yes, yes. But you will laugh. There's such laugh out loud moments. And I think it's, it, it's beautiful. The premise of it, I suppose, is, is, is just, I mean, if I, I'm not going to give away no, all of it. No, There's two characters. So there's Lenny, who's 17, and Margot, who's 83. Um, and when you add that up together, it's 100 years of Lenny and Margot. So I think, you know, the setting is basically a hospital in Glasgow. And I think you can kind of get the idea that both of them are ill. They're in hospital together. They find each other um, through an art class. Um, And, of course, each of them are looking at things from a different perspective. Lenny, who's only 17, hasn't lived any life. Margot's 83. She's lived a a fascinating life. Um, So they're kind of become those, you know, that unlikely duo that that end up together as friends um, with shared experiences. Well, obviously, Lenny, you know, Margot gives Lenny her effective experiences. And it's a beautiful set of stories. You know, it's a beautiful dynamic of a book, and and I just think, even coming from an author that's a debut novel, I thought, wow, really. A really nice, really, really, really nice. Um, no, and it's a nice read. Again, it would make a fabulous Mother's Day. Yes,
2: yeah. It's a really, terrific book. book. You have, I was delighted you picked it because yeah, as you say, uh, the experience of Margot, she's the artist, the young girl, <laughs> enrols in art classes for 80-year-olds. Yeah. I'm not going to give too much more away. But anyway, she uh, sort of writes the stories of the creations that Margot uh, paints brilliantly and brings together. And there's another fellow I just want to Mentioned a minute Father Arthur you love him won't they they love him as a character and their relationship as well the young girl and him
6: yeah and I think it's a really interesting relationship he you know he doesn't come across as kind of the typical priest or the typical you know I think he and him and Lenny have that kind of you know his character comes out you can tell he's playful, you can tell Lenny draws that out of him, that, you know, draws that youngness out of him and draws his memories out as well. So I think it's really, really nice. It kind of, it very much reminded me of, of kind of, you know, when you think of back to when you were 17, again, it's one of those, you know, you go back to 17 and you, and then you look at, say, your grandmother, you know, when you think of all of her experiences, mm. and it's very rare that we get all of our grandparents' stories or, you know, I, I, I'd get... I'd get like little stories from my grandmother here and there probably after driving them out of her and annoying the life out of her and I'd go wow you know that's amazing like that's wow you did that really and, and yeah. I and I see that now with younger I you know I see that now I'm, yes you know With younger kids, really, you did that, you know, and it's just a beautiful dynamic of the Mm. balance of both Mm. of them. But absolutely, you will ugly cry.
2: (laughs) Ah, it's a great book, and uh, again, it's the 100 years of Lenny and Margot, a debut by Marianne Cronin, took seven years to write. By God, watch out for this girl in the future if this is anything to go by. Now, finally, uh, and quickly, the last chapter by Caroline Bishop. Tell us a little about this one.
6: Yeah, so it's another one of those kind of books, historical books. It, it, you know, it, there's so many books come out and there's so many, um, how do I put it, there's so many debut novels and, and there's so many starting novels. And it's just, again, it's just one of those really lovely stories that everyone goes, oh, that was nice. I really enjoyed that. Because, you know, when you go in to buy a book, it's very, very difficult to, to, to as you say again, to kind of... Um, Pick a book that's that's going to appeal to people, you know, that kind of way. Yes,
2: that's why you're here with me today. That's why you're here with me today. We're giving them a steer. You're giving them a steer, to be honest with you. (laughs) Anyway, again, this is sort of in parallel with the last one that you say, uh, a younger and older person.
6: Yeah, and again, it's very much about, you know, it's it's very much about kind of um, character-driven, about the two characters and how they're involved. And it's just nice, you know, mm. and I think, we're, 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 there, as you said, there's a shortage of pie of really, really nice books there at the moment. Um, and is, again, I love books about books, you see. So, yes. And I love books about, you know, there was a twist to it and there was something missing and something had to be done. I, you know, and I love that kind of character-driven style yes. um, aspect, of, you know, aspect. So from that perspective, I'd, I'd really recommend it as a really nice read. Yep. Um, again, it's another, like, and there's so many beautiful books. I and mean, people are coming in all morning going to us, oh, I've got to get a book from the mother or the grandmother. I mean, like, you know, there's, there's some lovely books out there, um, but they're the same, you know, they're, they're so, for example, the Paris Library would be really, really popular. Mm. Miss Francis' Beetle would be really, really popular. Yep. Um, so, you know, there's the kind of, oh, and of course, our very own Marion Keyes is, being inc- is incredibly I popular. Flying, I see that. Yes, yes.
2: <laughs> Absolutely flying. Anyway, we won't get into it. We'll just recommend it. The last chapter by Caroline Bishop. You'll love this one too. 1957, it goes back to two girls at finishing school and years later they're brought together again in some uh, uh, unusual circumstances. Recommended by Irene this afternoon. Have you all the books you've mentioned at Academy? Of course we do. Oh, good on you. Mind <laughs> you, mind
6: you, there's an awful lot of uh, there's an, there's enough a lot of uh, book buying for Mother's Day. Which yes. is great to see. So you better be
2: jump now and get your purchases done well in time. But Academy Books in Southside on the Southside, the Dra- Southside Shopping Centre have the books we've been talking about today. Before you go, I just want to say one thing. You, right. uh, when we spoke on World Book Day. You uh, picked two books uh, that you said to me everyone should read. One of them, Emily Pine, (laughs) Notes to Self. Absolutely brilliant, may I say. Brilliant. Thank you for recommending. I highly, highly enjoyed it. Until the next time, thank you so much.
6: Absolutely. Take care. Enjoy Take the care. Weather.
2: You too. That's, uh, she's brilliant, isn't she? Knows her books inside out and we're grateful to her uh, to step in today for Margaret and Book Club. Irene Gahan from Academy Books with her recommendations. It's time for your comedy on Friday and it is Mother's Day, as Irene mentioned. On Sunday, all mammies will be spoiled. They can put their feet up. They won't do any cooking or housework on Sunday. Mar. Yeah. Anyway, they should be spoiled on Sunday, and uh, with that in mind, uh, for our comedy today, who is Ireland's most famous mammy? Agnes Brown is, and I'm going back to her because I just love this. You know, Maria and Dermot. Dermot is our son. Maria, the the wife to be, are having relationship problems, and Kathy, Dermot's sister, is training to be a guidance counselor. Ah, uh, we let them take up the story from there. Here we go. Picking counselling.
7: No counselling in my day. You must be joking. Me and your father had a problem. We couldn't run off to a counsellor. No way, Jose. We sorted out ourselves, like adults, into a room on our own. And I knocked the shite out of them. <laughs> we didn't need a counsellor. We needed a book and referee. Well, we're nearly ready to get started. <laughs> oh, don't mind me. I'm just a fly on the wall. <laughs> a fly on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Mammy, I think everybody would be more comfortable if you weren't here. Would they? It's a pity everybody doesn't pay the book and rent. <laughs> All right, but, Mammy. What? Please don't interfere. Fly, wall, me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then, let's begin. The badges. (laughs) We're all supposed to have badges. Badges? Yeah, badges, you know, you better have a badge. My name is Agnes, I am a booking lunatic. (laughs) (laughs) No, Mammy, you don't get badges. No, you do, love, you get badges in these things. I say nothing to tell you, everyone gets a badge. No, you don't, Mammy, and that's the end of it. Fine. You forgot the badges. Now. I have it. stickers upstairs if you want. <laughs> Please. I'm just trying to help you out of your badge situation. I don't have a badge situation. Obviously, because you don't have booking badges. <laughs> well, just shut up about the damn badges. I did not forget the badges. We're just not having badges. Badges will be pointless in this situation because we don't need them. For God's sake, Cathy, calm down. <laughs> They're making a the big thing out of nothing. Do you need a badge, Maria? No, you need a badge. I don't need a badge. We don't need the badges. Book your badges. Maria, what do you Miss. think started all of Miss. this? Mummy, is this you not interfering? No, it's me looking for me left arm. All right, Mummy, the floor is yours. The whole booking house is mine. Don't go... <laughs> I just want to say that this is Dermot's home. So? Dermot, you go first. Mammy, it doesn't matter who goes first. Then start with Dermot. No, Mammy, I will not start with Dermot. Now, if you don't mind, there's a system for doing this. Is there? Then how come it doesn't matter who goes first? I beg your pardon? You can't have system and doesn't matter in the same sentence. Imagine if that was a system for flying aeroplanes. And the pilot coming into land. Oh, excuse me, Captain. Captain. Whatever your name is, because we've no booking badges. <laughs> and the wheels down. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a nice way to start your two weeks in Fungarola? Do you know what, Mummy? What? You do this every time. Oh, don't exaggerate, Kat. I never flew an airplane in booking life. <laughs> everything up when I tried to do my own thing. Oh, you're getting paranoid. Am I? Well, what about Teddy Brannigan? Oh, you've gone very quiet now, Mammy. Feeling a bit guilty, are we? Certainly not. Teddy Brannigan. Hey, Jesus, that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was, Mammy, but you still remember it, don't oh, you? Oh, I remember, all right. You were 16 years of age. Not a titty to your name. <laughs> I was going to get you glasses at the time just so people would know which way you were fucking facing. <laughs> Neighbours used to say, oh, here's Cathy with the two backs. (laughs) Teddy Brannigan used to go up and down our road at 2 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) If you ever got a motorbike, you'd be booking dangerous. (laughs) And you running behind them with the helmet on you. I was in love. Love, my arse. What would you know about love at 16 years of age? Especially to a tug like that. He was not a tug. He was a tug. He walked around this place like a hard man. <laughs> Mummy, if you had your way, I'd never get a man. Well, it would help if you'd stop booking and letter shooting him. <laughs> I saved you. You saved me. Don't try and thank me now. <laughs> I've no intention of thanking you. I don't know what you're talking about. You wouldn't have been happy. Well, I'm not happy now. Well, maybe you should be talking to yourself and leave them two alone. This is a waste of time. Fang! It's not just Teddy Brannigan, is it, Mummy? No. No man I ever meet will be good enough for you, will he? Where's me violin? I'm going to my room. Go to your room. I'm staying oh. here. Oh! Jesus! How could you do that? How could you beat your mother? <laughs> brushed you beat yet. me oh my god it's gone dead <laughs> oh god it's got it's spreading it's spreading Okay. oh my god i can't turn right <laughs> I'm going. Go! <laughs> Walk out that door. Don't turn around now! This is ridiculous! Kathy! Kathy! Kat- 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 Don't bring me up down fucking stairs! You saw that! Attacked me. <laughs> this is all because you forgot the baggage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say, I just laugh and laugh every time I hear it. Absolutely comic genius from Ireland's favourite mammy, Mrs Brown, ahead of Mother's Day on Sunday. Coming up shortly on Late Lunch, we're at East Coast Cookery School with Tara Walker and it's Salmon Today. But taking us towards our next break on Late Lunch, it's the wonderful Nile Horn. It's a great one, I love it. He's a talent, a real talent, isn't he? Everywhere. And wherever you are, everywhere, you're listening to us on Late Lunch today. Stay with us on the show. It's food next in a few moments with Tara and myself in the kitchen.
0: Can you hear me calling out
2: We're back in East Coast Cookery School for the third part of our spring series, And it's fish today. Tara Walker loves fish. She always loves fish and there's great fish in this area to be had. Salmon with kale, orzo and lightly pickled carrot
5: salad. And
2: it's salmon.
5: Yes, Jerry. So I have my salmon in a, a roasting dish here. I've lightly oiled the roasting dish. And I'm just placing my salmon on a little bit of salt and pepper and just a very, very light little brush of whatever oil was left on my brush there on the top because um, salmon obviously has its own oil, so we don't want to make it greasy kind of. And we're just going to pop that in the oven now to roast for about 15 minutes. It's, they're not huge pieces of salmon, so 15 minutes will be enough for that.
2: Lovely. Let's leave the salmon in the oven there to work away and we'll come back to it presently. While the salmon is roasting away there in the oven, there's carrots to be pickled.
5: Exactly. So I've just peeled a carrot here and then as if you're continuing to peel it right down until it no longer exists, we're getting those nice kind of long strips from it. So just keep peeling, peeling, peeling until there's none left. And just you can see the way they're just falling onto my plate like this. So they're not all tightly down together. They're just kind of nice and lightly draped on top of each other. All these nice little shavings. And I'm going to just grab a little bit of rice wine vinegar, a little bit of sugar and salt. And we're just going to sit it in that for the 15 minutes that the salmon is cooking. So the pickling ingredients. I actually came up with this in the first lockdown around Christmas. And I didn't have many veg and I like having lots of veg at my dinner. And I started doing little pickled carrots pickling lots of different things but a light pickle not like a really heavy pickle and um, you know like what you get in a jar this is just ever so lightly pickled um, and this method works really nicely for cucumber slices as well once they're peeled so I've just sprinkled some sugar and salt very laissez-faire I'm not even giving you quantities here probably half a teaspoon to a teaspoon for one carrot and then I'm just sprinkling a little bit of rice wine vinegar and the reason I'm going with rice wine vinegar even though the rest of our dish is more European in style is that I want this to kind of I want the vinegar to give the pickling effect but without a really vinegary flavour if you see what I mean yes
2: lovely lovely so we leave that for the same amount of time that the salmon's in the oven
5: exactly and I'm just tossing it around very mm. very lightly with my fingers here and um, just to make sure all that combines nicely and because they're such thin slices you know yeah. the, the ingredients will kind of you know go down deep into it quite quickly the pan is on again. Yes, so now our salmon's in the oven. Our carrots are pickling nicely. Over here, I've just braised some kale. Okay, so I've just had a good pot of boiling water on the go here, salted boiling water, and I've popped my, my kale, which is just sliced into, what would you call that? I'm having a mental block strips strips, thank you (laughs) and here in my frying pan I have a little bit of butter and oil and as you can see the butter is starting to foam now and I'm going to just pop a few breadcrumbs in there because I want a nice little crunch from the breadcrumbs so we're going to toast these breadcrumbs and I always keep my breadcrumbs in the freezer it's just so handy I just take a handful of whatever you know the handful that I need and I pop it back into the freezer before the whole lot is defrosted toasting them now until they become nice and crunchy on the pan you
2: had the pan bubbling there i saw that and you dropped the kale in how long did you leave it in the boiling water for
5: just literally a minute or two okay just to take that real hardness off it because i'm going to be popping it onto this pan when i take these breadcrumbs off and if it's hard as a rock it'll be ending up kind of hard on the outside and nearly burning on the outside but by the time the center softens those crumbs look tasty yeah so they're nicely crisp they're, gold. they're more than golden brown really aren't they Yeah. they're more brown okay and you can hear the crunch of them as I put it onto the plate so they're lovely and crispy now and I'm just going to get my pan back on the heat now if you've any few crumbs just you know still in the pan just get a bit of kitchen roll wipe them away and now another little knob of butter and a little bit of olive oil again because obviously it has been absorbed by the breadcrumbs and you can hear that sizzling now the butter foaming I should say a little bit of oil in there next up some garlic this is going to be delicious jerry (laughs) a little pinch of salt gorgeous and next up then a couple of anchovies now these are optional but as i'm always telling people this is the umami okay so this is where you get that great flavor this is not going to taste like anchovies it's just going to taste of gorgeous richness and there is my kale gone onto the pan now. Gorgeous. little squeeze of lemon in. And that'll create a bit of steam as well. Lovely. And let's get that served up now with our salmon.
2: Well, that just came together there in jig time. I can't believe how quickly. But you see, all the prep is done.
5: Yes, but as I said to you, Jerry, this is my favourite way to cook. I'm making it up as I go along.
2: And this, again, is another dish exclusively and first time out there on late lunch this afternoon. Exactly,
5: Jerry. I think it's time you had your own unique dishes. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Tara.
5: So I'm popping my salmon on now with my kale. I've popped the kale onto the plate. So just to sort of bulk it out into a full meal, I have some carbohydrates in the form of orzo and I'm just going to toss that through the kale and the breadcrumbs and just kind of give that little bit of warmth to it as well. I've cooked it separately I just boiled it up as per pack instructions for 10 to 15 minutes. I'm sprinkling some of my lovely breadcrumbs over my kale, anchovy and garlic mixture. So everything's very rich there okay so we've the richness of the anchovy, the salmon is rich obviously and now we're going to cut through all of that with this little bit of lightly pickled carrot. And then I'm going to just finish the whole lot with a little bit of flat leaf parsley. There we go.
2: The garnish, it's lovely. I have to say I have a penchant for anchovies. I really just love them. I could eat them till the cows come home. And I'm curious to see how they work here. As you say, the rich with the anchovy, the breadcrumbs, the kale, and, of course, the pickled carrot as well. It's a very, very interesting combination that you brought together for us here. So there goes the garnish on just to finish it off like every top chef has to do at the end of a dish you always do it you
5: always have your little garnish it wouldn't be the same without it would it seems like you're kind of making fun of me there jerry as opposed to appreciating it oh i
2: appreciate you don't ever think otherwise i do i am i'm slagging you a little bit sure i am
5: right so let's have a taste
2: so the moment of truth as they say let's have a little piece of salmon and Kale and breadcrumbs. Do I have to have the piece of carrot? Yeah, yes, have
5: a little bit. I
2: must. Oh, isn't that just a marvelous combination?
5: Made up live on air, mm. according to what I could buy today. Really light again, like we've tried to keep these spring dishes. There's depth of flavour from the anchovies, and then of course the salmon is rich. And then we have that lovely top note of the lightly pickled carrots.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. So remind us of the dish name again.
5: So we have roast salmon with some kale with anchovy and breadcrumb, orzo, and a lightly pickled carrot salad.
2: It's a winner, winner. Salmon dinner for sure (laughs) at East Coast Cookery School this afternoon. Tara, thanks a million. We're well on our way with the spring series. This is to be highly recommended. Tara, until the next time. I can't wait to return.
5: <laughs> Great to see you as always, Jerry. See you soon.
2: Now he joined us uh, a couple of weeks back at the start of the Lenten season to set the uh, scene for the six or so weeks ahead. And he's back with me today for a special reason because he's uh, now uh, entered the world of podcasting. Father Paddy Rush, parish priest of Monastery Boys, Tenure and Fieldstown. Welcome back to the show.
1: Hiya, Jerry. Good to talk to you. Thanks for the opportunity and uh, the plug there. Yes podcasting sure you're doing the same yourself
2: <laughs> yes we, we do it actually every single day but i love yours because it's patrick and patrick and tell me this was this something you had in mind when we talked last or is it something that's happened since
1: no actually we were just about uh starting it uh, starting to record at that time when we chatted last i think our first episode went out on ash wednesday or holy third or the day after ash yes wednesday. um and, uh, you know, I have been looking to do something like this for a while because the whole podcasting thing is very current. I'm, a, I'm an avid listener to podcasts. It gives you a chance to maybe catch up on something you haven't heard mm. or get that wee bit of extra uh, angle on something. And I do have a wee collection of podcasts that I listen to. Normally when I'm in the car or out walking, yeah. uh, I like to listen to podcasts when I'm doing that.
2: Now, it's Patrick and Patrick. We know you. Who is the other Patrick, Patrick Logue?
1: (laughs) Patrick Logue, yeah, is a a very good friend of mine, first of all. And uh, Patrick and I have worked, uh, studied together uh, for over several years. And um, Patrick has got a great uh, mind for Scripture. He loves Scripture and has a great, uh, I think, some wonderful angles on Scripture. And anytime we talk, we often talk about between the two of us we get very passionate about scripture and the Bible and so on and I have often said when we were chatting together I'd love to do something now that we could share with others and uh, I asked him then uh, uh, three or four weeks before lunch started I said what about a podcast and as he says in our first episode he said yes and he he nearly regrets it now Jerry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But look it, you're on the road with it and you're producing these they're the, the virtually da- daily, are they, at this stage?
1: We're doing a semi weekly, so we'll maybe get. Uh, we record three or four okay. at a go. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, str- I'm trying to do the techie side of it, Jerry. Um, you know, it's a wee challenge for myself in a personal way, but also it's just something that I like to get to know. So I'm trying to kind of find out ways to record and to um, piece together, you know, yes. to edit. Um, so I'm using Audacity. I don't know, is it right to say a particular uh, programme, but I use Audacity, and I'm learning about that, and that's Mm. going to be something something different.
2: There you go. You're learning a new skill as as well, imparting what you know and your interpretation of uh, the themes in the Psalms as well. Look, Paddy, and and, and, we know this anyway, uh, church attendance is a big challenge for the church. Is this part of your thinking that you're trying to reach out and would I say laify the messages in the Psalms and scriptures?
1: Absolutely, Jerry. I think that's something to maybe to reach out in a little way to maybe people who, who don't normally go to church but who might be... You see, the thing about the Psalms for me and Patrick as well is they're, they're the words of ordinary people who are struggling to live up to what they believe about God but then... To equate that with what they actually experience in life, which can often be so different and so frustrating, and the psalms are full of that drama. They're full of the words of despair and hopelessness and fear, and there's also joy and praise and celebration and love and commitment. It's it's they're they're, they're just wonderful uh, pieces, and we can go. So certainly in church, they, they come between two readings. They come in the middle of mass, which is full of words. And sometimes I think we we, we overlook them, and uh, hopefully um, they will help us if we focus a little bit on them. And we wanted to do this little series during Lent, as a we lent an exercise for ourselves, and then to share that with others. And people might uh, feel, well, sure, we got we got a wee bit deeper into this, or a wee bit deeper into that, or mm. we we didn't know that's what that meant, or we didn't know that you could see that in that particular piece of scripture, you know, so yes. it's, it's to try we don't want it to be too serious, we want it to be light enough, but also interesting enough, and short enough, there are only seven, eight minute pieces each yeah. time, so mm. um, it's to really try and get people, uh, give people a little opportunity to delve deeper and to see some of the life that's there in the sands, because they are they're, they're coming real, real people's uh, struggles uh, with yes. life, and yeah, you know, and faith and so
3: on.
2: Yeah, know? and answering think, answering the m- big questions of today: Why is this war happening in Ukraine? Why is the pandemic, you know, gaining legs again? This, uh, you you deal with current issues uh, through interpretation of of writings uh, from thousands of years ago.
1: Absolutely, I, I think they mirror something of our world because they, they're human. They come from human. They were written by men and women, uh, all mostly predominantly men, unfortunately, at that time. But they were written because of experiences that were lived. Uh, and we're, we're, you know, we are we are participants in life. We can't step aside and let it all happen beyond us. We're, we get into it. And uh, because we get into it, uh, it challenges life, challenges our values, it challenges our views, it makes us, it disturb, disturbs us. And it also... And we hope that maybe this is something that people will get. It, it comforts us. There's, mm. there's comfort there, and I think what we're trying to focus on is it's just something to help people to, to know that, even in our in the midst of all that's going on, that uh, God is present, and we see that, Jerry. We see that this weekend, and in the, the people who are coming to, to offer their homes for yes. uh, strangers and we see that in people who are willing to give money to help and in our own Paris this weekend we're we're having a bring and buy sale at Romschallon Forge on Sunday afternoon from 2.30 to 5.30 for Ukrainian the support of the Ukrainian uh, struggles you know yes, yes. so I think Everybody's touched. Yep. Everybody's affected
2: by this. For um, sure they are. And uh, I, I really like it, I have to say. And and uh, well done to both uh, yourself, Paddy, and, and Patrick Logue as well. And they are available. You can check them out, folks. PatrickPatrickPodcast.com You can access them as well on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts by searching Patrick Patrick. Patrick podcast. I wish you well with them. I'll be uh, having a listen myself, I promise you, and uh, continued success for the remainder of the Lenten season.
1: Jerry, thank you very much and thanks to everybody. God bless you.
2: Take care. Father Paddy Rush there, wonderful man, uh, PP of Monaster Boys Tenure and Fieldstown. Let's reprise our Friday TV theme. It's Thursday night, 7.30 and time for Top of the Pops. Not the old grey whistle test. ...or the Guinness ad... ...or Hill Street Blues... ...sorry, sorry, sorry... ...it is Top of the Pops... ...and our little gift from... ...Late Lunch LMFM... ...today is bringing its way... ...to Evelyn Foley in Dundalk... ...well done to you... Uh, ...spot on with Top of the Pops... ...God I was unmissable... ...on Thursday nights... ...unmissable... ...there you go... ...life changes... ...time marches... ...on Tempest Fugit... ...now my soundtrack this week... ...and featured movie... ...is The Commitments of course... ...subsequently a stage show... ...which I went to see... When in London on the West End starring the one and only Killian Donnelly. It was marvellous I have to say. But in terms of the soundtrack of the movie, my song today I picked is probably the featured song from the movie. It was written and first recorded by Mac Rice Uh, and released in May 1965 by Sir Mac Rice as the artist. It gained greater popularity, however, when Wilson Pickett covered it the following year on a single version that was also released on his 1966 album, The Wicked Pickett. Rice's version made it to number 15 on the US R&B charts in 65, but Pickett's climbed to number 6 on the same chart, and number 23 on the popular chart in 1966, It made 28 on the UK singles chart round about that time as well. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranked Wilson Pickett's recording at number 434 on a list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. It was covered by the Coasters subsequently in 1972, Buddy Guy recorded the song in 1991 featuring Jeff Beck, and today I play for you. You the 1991 version from the commitments sung by the one and only the brilliant mr Andrew strong here Mustang it is uh. guess you feel slow it must You just got to let it finish, don't you? Yeah, brilliant. Andrew Strong there from my featured movie soundtrack this week, The Commitments, 1991. What a voice that fella has. Unbelievable. And, of course, he didn't lick it off the ground with the dad, Rob, being such a brilliant performer as well and still going strong. And uh, there you have it, uh, an Irish movie uh, featured this week in movies and musicals. I'll have a new one for you starting on Monday for next week. Late lunch, LMFM Radio Friday afternoon at this time. Yes, it's always sport with David Sheehan, our presenter of Sunday Sport. And picking's a little slim this weekend, to be honest. But in GAA terms, it's the final round of games of the National Football League. And David, the big show in town is certainly Loud and their trip to Wicklow. Now, this game might have been a sort of pushover for Loud maybe uh, just a few weeks ago. But Wicklow have something to play for.
8: Yeah, Wicklow fighting for their lives at the bottom of Division 3 and, and got a win last week away to Longford, which maybe a lot of people wouldn't have expected. But, you know, Jerry, if you had given Loud the opportunity to go down to Wicklow in their last game of the National League, knowing that a win would, would guarantee them promotion, in fact, a draw as well, um, they would have snapped your hand off. And I was thinking about it earlier before we, we started talking. Loud, assuming they get promotion on on Sunday and it had taken an extraordinary set of circumstances for them not to get promoted, Louder, the story of this of this National League campaign across all the four divisions, they lost the first game against Leash. They drew the next day against Longford. And I was chatting to Colin Cardigan after that game. It was one six to nine, I think, was the final score. And he said it was a deplorable game of football. He said it was a really poor game between two poor teams. And he won't mind me quoting them on that. But look at what they've done since then. They've won four games on the spin and now are on the cusp of getting promoted to division two. Like, it's an incredible story. And this is me as a mead man, Jerry, saying this. You know, it's (laughs) like loud, loud are the story of this league campaign, as I said, across all four divisions. You can look at Kerry, you can look at Galway, Derry, whoever you want to pick out. But what they've done is is not, nothing short of remarkable in terms of putting back-to-back wins together, back-to-back-to-back-to-back wins together. Um, and it all started with that win down in, in Limerick, and poor Colin was nearly frozen out of it on the sideline down in UL that day. A really tough, you know, tough afternoon for football and for commentating on football, as he said himself. But kicked the last seven points, I think, in a row that day to win that game. And then have won the next three after that, won against Antrim last week in what was a real kind of showdown in RD in terms of the promotion battle. So it's been an absolutely remarkable uh, story for them. And the way they put those wins together after a slow enough start, Sam Roy as well, top scorer across all of the divisions. And, you know, what What any team in the country wouldn't give for Sam Roy. I know we could certainly do with somebody like him with that scoring p- t- power that he has. So it's been an absolutely remarkable league campaign for them. And as I said, Jerry, it would take a mad set of circumstances for them not to get promoted. As somebody pointed out to me on, on Twitter during the week, though, um, you know, it's not unusual for loud to be on the end of some unusual circumstances doing themselves out of a win. We all remember that famous game back in t- uh, 2010. But... It's, it's been a brilliant league for them, and they will surely get promoted. As I said, a win will guarantee it for them. But even if they were to lose, they would need a winner in the game between Westmead and Antrim, and they would also need Limerick to draw, which would mean three teams would be level on nine points, and scoring difference would come into play. If they're in any kind of a head-to-head situation, uh, they'll be coming through that one because they've beaten Antrim, they've beaten Westmead, they've beaten Limerick. So it would take an absolutely unbelievable set of circumstances for them not to get promoted. And... You know, you have to take your hat off to Mickey Hart. You have to take your hat off to all of the players. Uh, they put together a really consistent run. And even in that Antrim game last weekend, they were, I think it was four points ahead of halftime. They went 10-5 up early in the second half. They then conceded a goal. It was back to two points. Antrim were coming strong at, them at that stage. And that's the kind of sort of situation where in the past, loud teams maybe have caved in a little bit or have, the jitters have got to them, but they pushed on. They got the goal themselves. They extended that lead and they won out relatively comfortably in the end. So you know, it's it's been brilliant. And as I said, it's it's not it's not overstating to say that loud, I think, of the story of this of this National Football League, uh, assuming they they close it out on Sunday, which they surely will. Let's hope we're not jinxing them, but it's it's brilliant for them. And, you know, you have to take your hat off to Mickey Hart, Gavin Devlin, the players, the coaching staff, everybody that's involved, because it's, it's surely going to be a great day for them on Sunday. And, and they deserve all the credit in the world for that.
2: Well, I take it you're predicting a loud win there in Ockram and we do hope they get the victory and go up in style and two promotions back to back for Mickey Hart is a fine achievement. Division two football next year, please God. Now me, I think it's fair to say, are probably the only uh, county perhaps in the uh, country that have nothing to play for really
8: in Division two. They're at home to
2: Derry, but
8: there's a lot on this for Derry. Yeah, there is a lot on it for Derry. Like Derry need to get the win in um, in that game. They they had a bit of a blip last week against Galway, which I certainly didn't expect them to have. They, you know, Galway are a strong team, but Galway went up to Owen Begg and and hammered Derry. I think it was 4-11 to 12 points, which I really didn't see happening. So Derry need to get the win against Mead on Sunday. They also need Roscommon uh, to not win against Galway. And you see the funny thing with this with this is Jerry, Galway are playing Roscommon. Galway are already guaranteed promotion. So what sort of a team Parry Joyce is going to put out on Sunday, it remains to be seen. So if Galway put out a weakened team, then, you know, obviously Roscommon's chances of winning that game are, are boosted. And Derry then, no matter what they do, it might not matter. So, If Roscommon win that game against Galway, then Roscommon will be up alongside their Connacht, um, their Connacht rivals. So, you know, Derry need to win against Mead, and they also need Ross Common to not win. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that one. Mead, as I said, you know, they got that win against Clare last week. They were they were safe anyway, I think, by dint of the fact that Cork had won. So they got the win anyway against Clare by a point. It wasn't a classic by any means. But, you know, Mead have, a, have, a, have had a mixed enough league. They started off very poorly. They draws with the likes of Offaly and Down, which people would have been expecting them to win. They got out of jail against Offaly, in fact. But they've they've put a couple of wins back-to-back in the last two games against Cork and against uh, Clare last weekend and the Cork game was probably the pick of the performances for them in this league campaign and you know there hasn't been much really to pick out of it but look they're safe in Division 2 for another season they'll be hoping to finish with a win in Navin on Sunday and bring the curtain down on it and go into the championship with a little bit of confidence but you know it's all really about Derry and what they can do and if they can can squeak through and get a get second place there but it's certainly look it's going to be an interesting game and I think me in front of their home fans on Sunday will want to kind of go out of the league with a bit of a bang and put in a performance. Sure thing, and
2: let's hope they do. Now let's uh, switch to soccer, and it's international soccer in focus this weekend. Ireland with two friendlies at home. Belgium are the visitors uh, tomorrow, Saturday, and then they play Lithuania uh, on Tuesday next. Belgium, unfortunately, not sending over a full squad by any means. It's a B Belgian side. But for Stephen Kenny and Ireland, these games, important steps towards the next championship.
8: Yeah, they are, and I mean, you know, they've they've brought in uh, a bit of local interest in the fact that Jimmy Dunn was called up yesterday. Um, you know, the good and dark man, and we've we've spoken to him on Sunday Sports several times. An absolute gentleman. I was delighted to see Jimmy. Getting called up, they showed that the, the FAI put the video of him up arriving at the hotel. He looked like he just gotten out of bed. He must have got the call uh, late enough on, but yeah, he was coming in to replace uh, Daryl Lenihan, of course, a mead man. So a loud man replacing a mead man in the Ireland squad, we always like to see that, don't we, <laughs> Jerry? Um, <laughs> but but yeah, look, it's 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 as he said, as you said, there. Belgium aren't going to be picking a. They haven't got their frontline players, but you know you can be sure that Belgium will still Belgium second string will still be pretty strong. So I expect it'll be a big test. Um, a lot of tickets sold for. I think it's going to be a good crowd at both of the games, the game on, on Saturday and the game against Lithuania next week. So look, it's going to be another interesting exercise for Stephen Kenny, uh new coaching uh, member in there and John Eustace, of course. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on and if he can, you know, uh, make some kind of impression on the team in the short time he's been there. But yeah, look, it's all, as you said, it's all about building and, and building towards the competitive games and, uh, we think Kevin Kelleher is probably going to play because Gavin Bazuna is out, Mark Travers is out as well. So it's going to be a good opportunity for Kevin Kelleher to stake a claim to try and displace Gavin Bazuna, which would be no easy task. But yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one for them and he'll probably learn a bit about a few players and he can give a few lads a run and see how they get on. So yeah, looking forward to it. Certainly, it'll be nice to see how so a few new faces get on to the Ireland team.
2: Certainly will. David Sheehan presenting Sunday Sport on Sunday. Doubleheader there with uh, Loud and Mead in action in the National Football League. Make sure to join him on Sunday afternoon. But until Friday next, run right about the same time. David Sheehan, thanks a million. Thanks, Gerry. That's almost it this Friday on late lunch. Well, Mother's Day on Sunday, Mammy. Are you all set? You'll be spoiled on Sunday. You'll be spoiled, Louise. Mm, If they remember. Oh, they will remember. Of <laughs> course they'll remember. They will indeed remember on Sunday. And to my
5: own Mammy, who's also celebrating uh, her birthday this weekend. Say a big hello to Mammy Patsy, who will be... I shouldn't really say should I but she's 86 <laughs> Oh what a
2: great woman Patsy Walsh happy birthday to you and have a great day birthday tomorrow is it Saturday birthday tomorrow yeah. Ah, oh, fantastic enjoy and celebrate as well almost coinciding with a double whammy for mm-hmm. Patsy now you make sure you look after her on birthday tomorrow and Mother's Day Sunday. I know you will and all the girls will she's all girls hasn't she she's five girls oh, yeah. <laughs> listen <laughs> listen listen Patsy's maid she certainly is anyway to all mammies out there have a lovely weekend and remember your mother and do uh, acknowledge them on this very special day. I know I give out about all these days, but I think a Mother's Day is one of the days that I actually like. Do I, you? I, yeah. yeah, Father's Not Day. Father's Day, me backside. know ah, you need Not a Father's for, Day. Ah, too. Listen, forget about that. The boys have it. The boys have the best in life, I have to say it, and there's no <laughs> doubt about that. That is the way it is. Well, anyway.
5: Sometimes they actually have to listen to us, <laughs> so I do feel sorry for them and that time.
2: We must debate that someday (laughs) and bring it in as a topic on the show anyway to all mothers out there enjoy your day on Sunday big thank you to all our guests who joined us during the week thanks indeed to your listeners who are with us along the way every day we do really appreciate your company and Louise thank you for being with me and doing uh, what you do on this show couldn't do it without you thanks a million and uh, we'll be back Monday with a brand new week of late lunch and plenty in the can already and don't forget if you want to get in touch with us with a story or a guest ever at any stage late lunch Lunch at lmfm.ie is our email address. Late lunch at lmfm.ie. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive here on LMFM Radio. Have a lovely weekend. Enjoy the weather. Get out there. It's to be fantastic. And do come back Monday for 1.30 for your late lunch. See you then. Bye. The late lunch
0: with Blackstone Motors, Dromahair to dog and Cabin. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault arcana Guaranteed delivery, low rate APR finance, and forty-eight hour test drive. Exclusively at Blackstone Motors. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile.